another extracurricular activity with Laura and Ron. Hi. Hi, Ron. Ron. It is Ron. We're in the same room. First time. First time doing lecture curricular in the same room. We've never done an episode in the same room. We did intros, outros once. Oh, did we not? Yeah. Oh, well, hello. Hi. How are you? It's weird. Why is it weird? <laughs> well, A, I don't have a laptop. Oh, yeah, you're not running the session today. Yeah, I'm not running the session today. B, we're in the same room. Uh, and C, we're kind of sat in a weird little Why did you just hold your nose for? Because yeah, I was about to sneeze, but oh. I very professionally didn't. <laughs> you kept talking through it, so it's not like we can edit that bit out now. No. <laughs> We are sitting in a pillow fort. We're trying to make it sound slightly less echoey. Um, we either had to go and sit in Ron's bed together and record, <laughs> which Ron said no to, even though I hugged him earlier and he didn't cry. No. Anyway, we're trying out um, a new idea on the lecture curricular activity today, which is an idea that's kind of been floated about and we've spoken about sometimes. Um, I'm going to talk to Ron about laughter theory and jokes and stuff. Hmm. You excited, Ron? Yeah, it's not exactly what I asked for. What did you ask for? Like, I wanted to learn about stand-up comedy and how that works. Well, what do you mean, how it works? You know, like, the structure of it and, like, you know, what makes a show good and a joke good. Oh. <laughs> well, that varies. Yeah? I'd say that's really varied. Maybe we'll get there. Oh, well, then I've researched <laughs> all the wrong stuff. <laughs> Because that's your job. Yeah, but that's so personal from comedian to comedian. Yeah, but everyone listening to this is a fan of yours, so it would be... Yeah, but that would have to be an interview. You'd have to interview me about that. I don't know how I'd just tell you, because I don't know, i just do it. Oh, I thought you knew about it. No, i just do it. You write shows for other people. No, I direct their shows. Oh, but you must, yeah, but you must be able to, like, take apart a joke and be like... Yeah, put the funny bit at the end. Bam, there you go. That's it. That's all it is. Maybe there isn't a lesson in that. Just put loads of jokes in and make sure that the last thing you say is the last piece of the puzzle you need to laugh. Done. All right. There you go. Everybody's going to win the Edinburgh Award now. See you next month. Well, I haven't done that, so thanks for shitting all over the research I've done there. Um, What I've done, Ron, is... um, we're looking instead of what you wanted to look at... Your laptop's so fast. What? Yeah. Yeah, you just zoom in between pages. Well, how does yours work? It's like... Then it loads. Yeah, but you always have a billy... Your laptop earlier was the loudest thing. I thought the washing machine was on at one point. It was just your laptop. That's not right. The washing right. machine was on. No, it was after that, because there was like... I was like, was it the boiler or like a dishwasher? And it was just your laptop. Yeah. It was wild. But I do a lot of stuff on it. Yeah, I'm doing stuff. Text documents, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, stop being a slag. And so, oh, well, now I don't know how to start, because I thought we were going to be doing this. We are doing this. No, we're doing this now. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Well, listen, I haven't... Yeah, so what I thought we'd look at, um, and maybe we'll be able to, like, apply this. So ask questions throughout about maybe how this is applied. But I thought what we could go through is is some of what I did my degree in um, as a counterbalance to doing your degree in the science. So this is, like, laughter theory and the theory of laughter and humour and how it all works. So I've got two books that I'm starting from. So today we're going to be looking... um, 
exclusively at Robert Provine's book, Laughter, A Scientific Investigation. Um, So he kind of goes through a lot. But what we're starting with here is um, from chapter two of that book, which is all about... What's chapter one on? I don't know. I skipped it to get to chapter two. (laughs) Hang on, I'll go and get the book. Have a look. Chapter one is called... No, that's chapter two. Wait, what chapter are we on? Oh, it's chapter three, everyone. (laughs) Chapter two is philosophical and theoretical approaches to laughter. Chapter one is an introduction. And why have we skipped at least chapter two? (laughs) Uh, I just thought this chapter sounded better than chapter three. (laughs) 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 It was called The Road Not Taken. I thought, what the fuck does that mean? I'm not reading that. Tell me about road you didn't take. I don't care. <laughs> it's weird now I think about it. It's quite weird. <laughs> quite weird to start on chapter three. Will we cover chapters one and two? Is this a circular Christopher Nolan-esque plot? Or? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe one day. You really stopped and started at this point of the book. No, this book's secondhand, so those are someone else's page uh, fold downs. I was trying not to order off Amazon, so I got them off World of Books. That's quite a funny joke, that they've stopped and started a lot now. Why is that a funny joke? Because clearly this is just the book being a bit damaged. So I'm saying that they've they've clearly folded these down to remember it. The listeners can't see what you're (laughs) looking at, so I just think it's a funny joke for them or me, really. (laughs) You're really undermining me here, Ron. (laughs) Yeah, how does it feel? <laughs> it's fun. Anyway, so we're looking at... Um, oh, I don't like being the one in charge. It's difficult. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at him and his uh, attempts to study laughter. Who was Robert R. Provine? Um, a scientist. I think he was started out as a so neuroscientist. No, that's not him on the cover. That's just a man laughing. Yeah. I can Google him, find out what he looks like. No, carry on. Oh, he doesn't look dissimilar to that man, to be fair. He looks nice. Oh, he does look nice. He looks a bit like a, um, like a, like a, like a, like he could be Steve Jobs' brother. Yeah. Very consistent smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he looks nice. I could be friends with him. He, he, it says in the, he sort of talks in the book about how he started to come at laughter and humor from a neuroscientist perspective, um, and then ended up becoming more into, um, psychology, like cognitive psychology and, um, behavioral psychology from it. So he's from in this chapter. I, it's it's interesting because he talks about wanting to study laughter, and this book kind of covers it from the perspective where laughter hadn't been studied that much, and laughter is still quite understudied. Stop reading the book. <laughs> I wanted to see when it came well, out. Then just context. say where's it from, and I'll tell you because I'm <laughs> no, a teacher. You're reading it. <laughs> <laughs> it's published by Penguin Books. It's dedicated to Helen. And it is published in 2000, the year 2000. And nobody looked at laughter before that. Well, it's really understudied and undercared about because it's not. I mean, to be fair, you started at chapter three. 
<laughs> yeah, even you reasons, don't Ron. get that For much. reasons. Right, I'll read you chapter two, shall I, if you're so obsessed with chapter Why two. Why are you still skipping chapter one? <laughs> because it's just called the introduction, I don't care. No, carry on with your The research. strangeness of laughter as a behaviour and as a vocalisation is masked by its familiarity. Oh, I don't know. Well, listen, I just wanted to do chapter three because it's called A Natural History of Laughter. And then I thought he'd tell us about the history of laughter and then he didn't. But now we're doing what he does do in that chapter, OK? He's still <laughs> questioning my method. So he's talking about trying to study laughter and he talks about how um, to do that, he needed to get some laughter. Um, and obviously he's a scientist, so his approach was he got a load of people into a lab and tried to get them to laugh, and he sort of talks about, like, oh, well, I played them um, old recordings of comedy, like SNL, George Carlin, and then he was like, this was... The American. Yeah. Um, This was super frustrating because they wouldn't laugh. I couldn't get them to laugh. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And then because of science, he kind of goes, no, this is a result. (laughs) Why are you looking at me like this? Well, what does that infer about the scientific experiment, Ron? Well, that the conditions weren't right to create laughter. Yes, which doesn't mean that the experiment's gone wrong. It means that tells you something about laughter. Yeah. What does it tell you, Ron? You have to laugh in the right conditions so you feel comfortable to laugh. Yeah. So that's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) That laugh... (laughs) Why do you look like you're about to punch me in the arm? I don't. I'm teaching you. (laughs) Aren't I? (laughs) I don't know. Be less intense about it. Do you mean just stop making eye contact? Yeah, but you're also, like, leaning in. Because the microphone's there, you fucking idiot. But isn't that interesting, isn't it, Ron? Is how you were speaking before. <laughs> Fine, then, you talk. Um, no, it's not my lesson. Well, you're telling me off for doing my lesson. <laughs> I wasn't. You were being weird. I wasn't sense. being weird. I was just telling you about something. No, no, you were No, you were being normal up until about 45 seconds before we started arguing. That's how I know you were being weird, because you changed didn't change shut up anyway so yeah best he could what i had a massive piece of apple stuck in my (laughs) tooth but i've worked it out (laughs) well maybe your face was weird then apple face anyway so he wasn't getting laughter um and and it was obviously it was to do with the settings of being in the lab so there's a quote page 25 he says and the reason i haven't done pages 1 to 24 is this quote wasn't on them just so that you know uh he says quote by not laughing my subjects were announcing that laughter is a social behavior that virtually disappears in isolated people being scrutinized in a laboratory setting and i think that this is a big deal for beginning to get your head around laughter theory because laughter is not connected to funny. You have to talk! <laughs> Otherwise it's just me giving a monologue. It sounded like you were going to keep talking then. That's what eye contact's for, to invert <laughs> you silently that this is a dialogue. All right. No, you are horrible to me and this is making me angry and I was quite looking forward to doing this. I'm having a good time. I just <laughs> thought you were going to keep talking then. Yeah, so laughter's not to do with funny. It's it's kind of like we, we can laugh to signal funny or we don't even necessarily consciously laugh 
because something's funny, it's elicited in a person. But there's something signally about it. So, like, there have been studies where, or if you think about your own experience, if you watch a comedy show alone, you don't laugh out loud. But if you watch it with at least one other person in the room the laughter tends to be increased. So it's like... Certainly more likely to yeah, laugh, yeah. Yeah. So then are you subconsciously laughing to show the other person you get it? Is it an intelligence indicator? Like, or is it just like you feel like you're having a better time if you hear laughter? So you're kind of going, we're having fun, aren't we? Here's my laugh to prove that. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. I think... With me, it's often... Um, I'm watching something I've seen eight times before. Uh, I laugh to see if the other person laughs to make sure they like the joke as well. Interesting. So you're laughing there as an indicator to them that you want them to laugh? That's that's when you should be laughing because that's when the funniest <laughs> joke has happened. If you haven't laughed, then you probably didn't get it. Yeah, that's interesting. So <laughs> he realised that he wasn't going to get laughter in that way by like bringing people in and going, "Hey, here's some." And he talks about Rodney Dangerfield through this whole book. He must have been big at the time. I don't get any respect. Yes, in fact, he makes a joke about that in the book. Well, that's all he used to say, isn't it? That was like his whole shtick. Yeah. So he talks about showing people Rodney Dangerfield, and they weren't laughing. So then he's like, "Okay." In the year two thousand. Yeah. Surely by that point, Friends was around. Yeah. Maybe they should have just shown them the episode of where Joey has to eat everything in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could redo some of these experiments for practicals. <gasps> lab rats. Yeah. Being lab rats. Let's, yeah, let's do scientific <laughs> experiments on our patrons. <laughs> we'll make them listen to episodes of Lex Education, and if they don't laugh, we must infer <laughs> something scientific yeah. about it. Yeah, it's nothing to do but with content. You're now getting me to question the whole premise of this book. If he's just showing people Rodney Dangerfield and then being like, these people aren't laughing. He talks about George Carlin as well. What other ones does he say he used? It was like, there's George Carlin, SNL sketches, Rodney but Dangerfield. George Carlin isn't, like, George Carlin was way more kind of like a political, yeah, kind the of. The seven dirty words, that you, you know, the seven words you can't say on TV, yeah. that routine. That's not particularly Broadcast funny. bloopers, which is probably more like slapstick, I mean, and Joan would've... Rivers. So I'd imagine that they picked like a selection. He doesn't go into the um, yeah. method, but I'd imagine they picked like a selection of slapstick X, Y, and Z like and covered see... all of it. All of these experiments done, but with you watching You've Been Framed. Oh my God, I'd love that. I do laugh at You've Been Framed on my own every time I'm in a hotel room. So yeah, so he, he discovers that going into the lab is not going to get him the results that he's looking at. So they go out into the field and basically record where laughter's happening Just in like conversations. like door mice and birds and stuff like Yeah. What did the wheat say to the barley? <laughs> Are you surreal? No, it doesn't work. <laughs> now, there's something in that. There's Barley, darley. Oh, I was just thinking like cereal. Yeah, yeah, but he was a surrealist painter. Yeah. What? Okay, so now we've got to get Darley into the field with wheat. Anyway, 
Um, so he go he goes out. They go out in yeah. a team, and they. There was another surrealist <laughs> painter called Magritte, Mawi, and Salvador Bali. Surrealist painters. <laughs> tweet that, Ron. That is going to get you up to two hundred followers. That'd be a hit tweet for me. Maybe yeah. even twelve Don't talk likes. With your mouth out there. <laughs> Um, it's really cute that you've written out whole bits for you to say. Why are you reading my notes? <laughs> it's in red. Yeah. <laughs> it's Don't look at my computer. These are my notes. I'm going to say all of it, actually. <laughs> but the red bits are my thoughts. <laughs> Is that weird? How do you do your notes? Oh, just like bullet points and then I come up with the words. <laughs> Not what I've done. Anyway, so he, they basically, they go out in the field into shopping malls and stuff like that. And they just, what are you doing? It's hard to be the listener, isn't it, actually? Now you're realising. I think you're struggling to be the talker as well. I am not. I'm doing a good job and you're being rude. I'm not. <laughs> it's just when you said they went out into the field, I thought about what we I were talking about in before. a science way. Yeah, I, know, but I was thinking about my weed and Salvador Barley. Stop thinking about Salvador Barley. <laughs> Fucking hell, this is chaos. So they go out into the mall, right, the <laughs> shopping mall, and they, re- they record people's conversations. So they spend like a year gathering up people's conversations and recording them. Okay. So, um, and then he, what he does then is he breaks down the data that they've collected in these social situations into what he calls laugh episodes. And a laugh episode is defined as being the comment immediately preceding laughter and all the laughter occurring within one second after the onset of the first laughter. Right. So that is a laughter episode. Um, and then... So how much before the laughter starts? So the comment immediately okay, preceding the, the laughter, it, yeah, okay. um, and then all the laughter occurring within one second, and then um, and that, yeah, and it, and this is obviously huge because when you look at the transcripts of conversations, a lot of laughter is done by the speaker. Um, so he then breaks down. Is he okay? Yeah, he's it's just the car. Break, he's, he's having engine trouble. Uh, couldn't get out the field, doesn't have four-wheel drive. So, yeah, and, and it's fascinating, this bit, because then when he's recording this and the laughter, he comes across the first problem, really, that he wasn't anticipating, which was that the majority, or in a lot of times, the laughter in the conversation or the laughter episode is done by the speaker Mm. which wasn't something he was anticipating because previous laughter studies had always looked at laughter from this perspective of humor and what makes you laugh in a funny way so um often in his research the speaker was the only person that laughed so you'd say something and then laugh at it and the audience would be the other person would be like ha ha so um he'd he'd act 
actually sort of ended up in a, a whole area of laughter study that he was not anticipating. And I think I get the impression from reading this that he'd kind of gone into it in, in more of a like, what kind of hit rate does a funny thing have in terms of making people laugh? Or what kind of comments get laughed at? And that was just not the data that they ended up with. Mm. So he breaks each laughter episode down and then there are further distinguishing features. So um, he, he calls them the first and second advances in the study. So the first one is that he's broken down the laughter episodes. The second thing that he distinguishes is the speaker audience. And then there's a third thing that he notes. What do you think that is? Mm, the the environment. No, it's not the environment. The tone. No, it's not the tone. Um, the the um the relationship between the two people. No, uh-uh. it's the gender of the speaker and the audience. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Oh, yeah, and then I had a very fun Lex Education moment here because then he, he shows how he, like, wrote it all down and it starts to look like science, like actual chemical science. How so? Because this is, like, social science or whatever. Um, but then, right, so when he records things, so say he was recording our conversation mm-hmm. um, and you were the speaker in the laughter episode, mm-hmm. you would be signified by... a a capital S for speaker, and a small M next to it for male. You are a small male speaker. And then I would be capital A for audience, little F for female. And then uh, if we both laughed, if you said something and we both laughed, he would draw a circle around both of us. But if you said something and only you laughed, he'd just draw a circle around the you bit. Or if it was just me that laughed, just a circle around the me bit. So it starts to look a little bit like those little equations. Mm, that's Chemistry. nice. So when uh, so when you said he was recording people, he wasn't literally like listening. No, in. I don't think there was like ethical complications of like NSA style spying. No, I he, think was, he just was like making notes of following like, people around with clipboards. I think so. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, also, I just wanted to say here, the book doesn't really distinguish between sex and gender. So I have to assume that when he's talking about um, the the sex of the people or the gender, he means the gender that they are presenting as. So I just wanted to apologise if I'm, like, crisscrossing between language that you'd expect to apply to sex or gender and I'm using them fluidly. Um, the book doesn't distinguish book was written in 2000 it's yeah. not going to have the same sensitivity but uh, i apologize if i'm write. doing that because yeah. i'm getting a bit confuddled in my head about the difference between sex and gender um so so yeah they spent a year uh like studying all this data and then they came out of it with 1200 laugh episodes across a year of spying on people um That's and almost three a day yeah that's a lot of laughing it's actually slightly more than three a day X to the power minus 10. Now, some of the findings were speakers laugh more than their audiences. How much more do you think? Eight times more. Can you do it in a percentage? 800 times more. No, too much. (laughs) 20% more? More than that. 
six hundred percent more. It's forty six percent. They they laugh forty six percent more than their audience. Oh, that's only one and a half times more. Well, that's quite a lot. Yeah. For, to say something to someone else. No, I find myself way funnier than I find anyone else. I'm not surprised by this at all. Yeah. Neither am I, but then I've read the book before. (laughs) Also, we did talk about this a little, like, five minutes ago. Um, And this is even more interesting. When females are talking to males, what do you think happens there? Um, I would say the likelihood of the audience to laugh increases. Decreases massively. Oh, are they being jerks about it? Men do not offer women laughter as much as women laugh. In, uh, so uh, female speakers produce 126% more laughter than their male audiences. Interesting. Um, I also learned a fun fact here that a, a two-person social group is called a dyad. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd never heard of that before. D-Y-A-D. Mm. Like a dryad, like a, yeah. but just a dyad. Were you going to say that too? I was going to say like a tree person. It made me want to play Magic the Gathering this afternoon. I love Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I was going to suggest it, but then you did your work like a boring person. We should do an episode on Magic the Gathering. Oh, I love Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I still want to do a, as one of the segments, mm-hmm. a D&D campaign. Lex education. Yeah, you've got to work out how it's going to work, though. I'm just playing D&D. You'll be fine. You're talking so quietly, Ron. Look how tiny you are. I'm not. You are. You either need to sit closer I to the microphone. I am. Right, that's better, yeah. Yeah. But talk at that volume. Don't go... Fix it in post. I can't <laughs> fix it in post. Right, you can edit this one, then. Right. So, yeah, female speakers <laughs> produce 126% more laughter than their male audiences. Um, female speakers laugh more regardless of who the audience is. It is. So even when it's female speaker and audience, they laugh more than... They laugh more percentage-wise than a male speaker would. This is the kind of thing that I'm really going to hate knowing because I'm going to be thinking about this yeah. in every interaction I have with another person. Yeah. Um, when men were the audience... And I'm especially just going to start laughing at all of the women I know. <laughs> yeah, but not like at them. <laughs> Did you think that was clever? <laughs> um, when men were the audience, they laughed 60% for a male speaker and 39% for a female speaker. Um, and men laughed... 76% as a speaker to a man and 66% to a female audience. So men laughed more as the speaker and the audience if they were with another man. Interesting. They just laughed on the whole completely less if there were women around. And I'll show you this table that's in the book. If any of this is fascinating to you, I really recommend this book. It's really easy to read, but here's the little table. Um, you can have a quick look at, Ron, with the percentages of... So, like... Male speaker to male audience, they recorded 275 laughter episodes, and in 75.6% of them, the speaker laughed, and in 60% of them, the audience laughed. But what's also very interesting is that there were 500 dyad female laughter episodes, which is like twice as many as any of the other configurations. Mm, Does that skew the data scientifically? Well, you've just got to assume that that just means women laugh more. Mm. Or there were more women around. 
Yeah, I suppose that's hard to tell whether they just had more women to women or whether there was more laughter in the women to women. Well, they did do this at a mall, and (gasps) (laughs) bitches be shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. um, Oh, but women don't find each other that. No, women don't. Or, or the audience yeah. audience women don't laugh so much. No, nobody laughed as much as women, male or female, mm. which is fascinating. Oh, I no, thought. but men didn't laugh. Nobody finds women funny. No, women, no, nobody laughs at women as much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the only dyad where the audience laughed more than the speaker was female audience to male speaker. That's the only time the listener laughs more than the speaker is when women are listening to men. Interesting. Fascinating, right? Yeah. So, here's a bit of discussion point. <laughs> I do feel like Ofsted are in, and I'm learning to be a teacher. My theory, and I don't know how you feel about this here, is that I think laughter, women laugh to make people more comfortable. And women offer laughter as a I am friendly, don't hurt me kind of thing. And I think maybe laughter is a low status behaviour. Hmm. That's interesting. I guess, yeah, because I I suppose there's, like, there are two types of laughing. Like, you can laugh with someone or you can laugh at them. And, yeah, I guess laughing with someone is kind of a stepping in toe to them yeah if you're laughing in response to somebody else you are crediting them in a way Mm. and i feel like possibly that's why people don't laugh as much to women or for women or offer laughter to women is because the men gather the high status more yeah believe themselves to have that status perhaps that's why men don't offer that laughter to women is because they don't believe they owe it yeah they don't have to keep women sweet whereas women more often than men have to can be hurt by men and therefore offer the laughter in a haha oh you're funny like it's playing up the ego a little bit Maybe, or Occam's razor, just women aren't funny. It's one theory. It is one theory. I think we have to explore that scientifically. But then even with men and men, the audience don't laugh as much as the speaker. But they will offer more. That doesn't relate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So no, I am also joking. He later, um, <clears throat> he later refers to laughter in the chapter as self-humbling. And there's a bit that I haven't made loads of notes on, but it's fascinating if you end up reading this book. And again, I do recommend it, where he talks about the ways that um, social castes in other cultures use high-pitched voices or laughter or muttering or mumbling to signify social castes. Um, and laughter... M- sort of falls into that bracket. Did you give any examples of this? I don't really know what you mean. Yeah, so, hang on, let me find the book. He talks about um, rural Tamil 
Male and female Harijan, low caste, it says in brackets, speakers address high caste, powerful persons with thin, high-pitched voices. A higher pitch is also used within the caste to show deference or power asymmetries, as when a daughter is making a request of her father. Oh, sort of like a, oh, sorry, sir. Yeah, and they uh, talk about um, a couple of other Indian cultures and a... The Bahutu in Central Africa, um, self-effacing behaviour, including buffoonery, is practised by the Bahutu in the presence of their caste superiors in Central Africa. Interesting. Yeah. So it kind of discusses whether laughter is self-humbling in that if you let yourself laugh at someone, you are giving them superiority. Well, that's like the classic thing, isn't it? Like the bully walking around in their cronies... Yeah. laughing at all of their jokes which fascinates me in terms of because and we'll do this maybe in another session or go on to it but from an evolutionary perspective we don't really know why humans laugh we're not born able to laugh we are born able to cry so we understand crying as a help signal but we learn to laugh but laughing as a behavior is odd so i wonder if it's humbling or a nod of deference to somebody because it effectively like disables you for a short space of time. Your respiratory system is disabled by it because you have to be pumping. Like laughter is effectively just your diaphragm going ha 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 ha. So is that what it is that you are a little bit more vulnerable while you're laughing? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like, it comes from a place of like, it's humbling now, but almost beforehand it's a signal to others that everything is okay, I feel well enough to not only sort of make myself vulnerable like that, but then also be quite loud and alert myself, uh, alert the surroundings to my presence and yeah. stuff. That would be my guess, but... Or you're laughing and it's a display signal to other people of the tier system within the social group. Because I would imagine that in the um, in the, the the laughter episodes thing that we were just discussing, like the speaker laughs more to let the audience know that this is a funny story. Not even necessarily a funny story, but just uh, or everything's okay. Yeah, everything's okay, or to keep the social lubricant going, or like you might be discussing something difficult and then you laugh to go like, oh, I know it's a heavy yeah. subject, but hey, I'm not sad or it's light. Like laughter often in transcripts of conversation has nothing to do whatsoever with funny Mm. it's more like i'm not mad or it's okay like you might be having a meeting like like you say you'll end up thinking about this you do you'll be in a meeting and having to give feedback watch how often when you have to give feedback to your inferiors in a workplace how often you use laughter to let them know that you're not really mad at them or this isn't affecting their job report or anything like that like we use it a lot like that. He's laughed to change the subject a lot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's a it's like a rhythm thing. Yeah, yeah. Um so he he goes on after this bit and he has a bit here that was the first bit where I really was a bit like, "Oh, I'd question this now." He says, um he's sort of discussing the effect that this has on laughter in a professional sense. And then he says this, quote, Males engage in more laugh-evoking activity than females, a pattern that may be universal. In a cross-cultural study of children's humour in Belgium, the United 
States and Hong Kong, males were the principal humour instigators, and this tendency was already present by six years of age when joking first appears. Um, and he goes on to discuss, which I haven't quoted, but I now feel like we need the context, um, He's sort of talking about it in the context of um, uh, comedians and, like, why there are more male comedians than female comedians and stuff. And he says this about, like, he says, like, oh, remember the class clown that you had at school? I bet it was a boy. And boys seem to seek out this uh, this response. That seems like a baffling conclusion to come to after like we were just discussing women laugh more and like make each other laugh more than yeah and this is what sort of baffled me about this bit and why I ended up writing it down was because I thought I think he's missed a bit there where he's he he seems to be sort of saying like oh because he says oh about six years old is when joking first appears in children and boys run with it right from the start but if you think by then they've probably already had about six years of adults responding to them within their gender constructs so just because they are children does not mean that adults aren't laughing more at little boys than they are at little girls like Mm. I think there he's slightly missing the idea that because they are children adults around them aren't treating them in the roles which they've assigned to men and women yeah no and also probably a a large spoonful of confirmation bias because I assume this guy grew up in like the 60s and 70s if he's writing a book in the year 2000 and probably had more male friends than he did female if any and then yeah. so he's just like thinking back over his times as a child. Well, he's also like the, it's oh, yeah, the no, study yeah. is where he's got the main. But I mean, when he's saying it. like think back to the class clown and stuff, like yeah. that kind of anecdotal evidence. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. But I think that that's interesting. Then that potentially, like, there's there is a study of children that talks about the way parents parent children of different sexes and how they they prove that parents and adults have a tendency to overestimate what male children can do and underestimate what female children can do in terms of crawling and walking, all of those things. We already put that on babies and toddlers. Mm. And I think that there's a strong chance that that's happening to young children when boys are silly. It's, oh, boys, this and that. Oh, he's funny, isn't he? Cheeky. Whereas girls potentially don't get that like come back from the early age they're not laughed at so they stop doing it because they're not getting a reaction um certainly wouldn't be surprised yeah yeah it's fascinating not a girl and three nephews so no yeah no skin in the game yeah we take girls more seriously or they yeah we they present what we read as more serious and so we don't laugh at it yeah um and then like the last thing because i thought this is probably enough they um he looks at another study done by a scientist called rose Kosa, who looked at joking in a workplace and found that jokes about people pretty much always punched down the seniority ranks 
especially in meetings, like the top would laugh at the next people down, but the sort of lower rank of seniority in the workplace never made jokes about senior management and things like that. And that the amount of laughter went up and down with different... um, the social hierarchy of being at work and and your job. Hmm. So um, it kind of poses the question there that we have different laugh patterns depending on the role we are playing. Yeah. That the way we laugh is not the way we laugh forever and always. That if you are made a manager, you will change the way you are laughing to reflect that because there was a very interesting point i think it was in her study that 96 percent of the witticisms in in in, uh quotation marks were by men Mm. and the laughing is done by the women and then there's a very interesting question to be had there that if we think of management as not laughing and women are the ones providing the social laughing in an office setting is that does that contribute to the idea that women are overlooked for promotions and things like that? Because we think of managers as serious, yeah, but not, women provide the laughter. Not responding to stimuli in the way that you'd expect someone, or the, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the typical... So even if it's kind of proven by studies that women, when they get those roles, just blend into that role and go, well, I'm senior now, I can stop offering this laughter, they might be overlooked for the promotion because the social role that they're playing doesn't fit with the idea of... And we're sure women aren't just bad at things. They are bad at things. Terrible. Did you see how many died in childbirth before we got male doctors? Well... (laughs) You could have laughed at my joke there, Ron, and really subverted some gender norms. No, but I'm the manager of this (laughs) (laughs) this podcast. (laughs) Um... So there you go. A lot to think about. I don't know. Was that interesting? Sort of laughter there. It just It's an introduction to the idea that laughter is not always about funny and it's not always clear whether it is a conscious or unconscious decision to laugh and do we always know why we're laughing and using laughter as a tool. This was very interesting. I hate that I know this. I'm going to psychoanalyze something I enjoy doing, which is laughing. Um, it's fascinating for me from from a work perspective that when you look at the significant difference in the percentages of how willing men and women are to laugh at women, how to get the reaction that is on a par with what men get on stage, you have to be so much better as a woman mm. because... The audience don't know they're doing it. They don't know they've got this unconscious bias. They don't know that they're doing it in life completely. Um, I'm doing it when I'm an audience member. I'm clearly not as willing to laugh at a woman as I am a man. And yet when I'm being judged for whether I get the job or not, I need to be able to generate the same amount of laughter that my my male compatriots can get, even though it is scientifically proven that that is very hard to get. Mm. fascinating very interesting well thanks for the the lesson Laura this was a very different episode yeah we sort of stopped squabbling and really just got interested Mm. this is the kind of science I'm interested in yeah and I'm interested in it too cool what a more cohesive podcast we made (laughs) 
yeah, but it's not as fun. And anyway, we're, if this it turns out to be better, we're making it for the people we like best. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let us know what you thought of this. As ever with these extracurricular ones, we are a little bit throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks <laughs> and what you like um, and what and you don't like. And we will continue like. to. Yeah, we're going to continue like playing with the format and like repeating ones that work and, and doing stuff. But let us know. If you like it, be vocal so that we know to do more of that or less of what you don't like. It's good to know. Which chapter will we cover next? <laughs> we haven't finished <laughs> chapter three yet. So obviously 17. Um, we'll do the middle third of chapter <laughs> 17 and then we'll come back. Um, I thought that was an interesting jumping off point though. Not that I read one and two to see what was in them, but when I got to three and it was this, I thought, that's cool. No, that was super interesting. I am interested in this. It's not what I asked for when I floated this as a topic, um, but I thought that was really good. Are we still Wait, recording or is yeah, this no, we are. private Look, praise? If you want to know how I write stuff, go and listen to um, Jokes with Mark Simmons, the episode I did on that, uh, or Stu Goldsmith's Comedian's Comedian. I've talked about my process there. But... But we, we're monetizing this. Yeah, but you're, then you've got to interview me because I can't just tell you about it because I don't think about it because I just do it. Okay, then we'll do that as an episode one time. You can't interview me. We would never get through that with straight faces. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Fabrats, for being Fabrats. We love you to the ends of all of the Earth's corners. And um, we'll see you next month with more content. Uh, and every Monday in between. Yeah, always. We did get a comment um, that... Um, someone said that they can't cope with you not saying class dismissed at the end of these episodes. Uh, no, you. I, I think a nice thing with the the Patreon should be a reversal of all of these things. So I think you should have some kind of not class dismissed. That's break mine. time. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> um, ooh, um, pencils down. <laughs> okay, say pencils down. <laughs> Pencils down. Pencils down. <laughs> we hope you love us. We hope you love us. <laughs>